Today on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, we will preview Hawks and Hornets coming up later tonight in the play-in round of the 9-10 matchup. We're also going to talk about a potential Falcons draft pick that I probably would have grabbed at eight, but now I'm probably willing to grab in the second round. And Dan Snyder, if you think he's the only guy, you guys are crazy. We're going to talk about all of that today on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome into episode nine of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Don't forget, we're asking you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Just Put that in your YouTube browser and you'll find us very easily. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a like. Review us. Tell us what you think about the show. Don't forget you can also follow me on Twitter. It's at JMCH316. So a bunch of stuff to get into with you here today, though. First, I want to tell you about my friends over at Shady Rays. They're the independent company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses uh, for just a fraction of the price. Uh, polarized lenses, well-constructed, uh, durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you're not going to find anywhere else. It's uh, the Shady Rays Insane Protection Program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection for every pair of sunglasses. They'll send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. That's a hell of a deal, right? So give them a try, and if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays, exclusively for our listeners, too. If you go to ShadyRays.com, ShadyRays.com, and you use the code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, you're going to get 50% off two or more pairs of the polarized sunglasses. So LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, put that in the promo code, and you get 50% 50% uh, off of two or more sunglasses uh, locked on, as we said, for the best deal, 50% off over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Head over to ShadyRays.com today. All right, Hawks, uh, get at it uh, this evening as the uh, play-in round is officially here. So thought we'd take a look at uh, a little bit of this matchup here. You know, I was asking a question on my radio show last night about can the Hawks make a run in the playoffs without John Collins? So we got the news yesterday afternoon that John Collins is out for tonight's game. Uh, Lou Williams is out for tonight's game. Collins most likely is out for Friday as well. So if the Hawks win, they'll head up to Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. So most likely out there. And just by all reports, it looks like them. John Collins probably is out for Sunday as well, or it's unlikely that he could turn right around. If he can't play Friday, Probably unlikely that he's going to turn right back around and play on Sunday. So what can the Hawks do? I thought it was interesting. Somebody sent me a tweet that showed some of the offensive breakdown of the Hawks, where the Hawks are literally averaging about seven points a game more without John Collins on the floor. Now, look, Collins is an important piece when you start talking about having that extra rebounder defender and low post scoring presence on the court. I think that that's what you want to have. But Understand, too, that the Hawks at this point, literally since before the All-Star break, have played without John Collins. So your coach, your players, everybody's sort of got their rotations figured out. You know your matchups. You know where you're strong. You know where you're weak and things like that. I'm not telling you that bringing Collins back, you know, hurts the team or what have you. But 
you do have an identity and you've played enough games without him that I think that you can survive. Also, too, you have to figure that when John Collins comes back, after having battled plantar fasciitis in his foot, and he's obviously dealing with the finger, that's the main thing, is he's got the splint on his finger, he's not going to be even 100% or ready to go out there and give you 40 minutes on his first night back. So you're already going to have a learning curve with John Collins that you have to figure could be one, two, three, four games of just trying to get him back up to speed. Remember, this isn't like Cam Reddish last year where you're talking about Reddish was already going to be a bench player and you were just going to spot use him. You could kind of work him in. This is a guy that's been one of your starters and obviously a guy that's paid to be, you know, for lack of a better term, your second person, uh, you know, behind Trey Young. So the idea of just kind of working him in just to get him off the bench, I think that's going to be a slow process as well. So I do think the Hawks are capable of making a run without John Collins. I think when you get Gallinari and Bogey and Herter and Hunter running around and moving around without the basketball, it doesn't slow down that offense. And the Hawks are a perimeter team. The Hawks want to shoot threes just like anybody else does in the league. So I'm not so much concerned about that. Uh, I do think this is an interesting match. Remember, the Hawks and Hornets split their season series 2-2. The last time the Hawks saw the Hornets was back on March 16th. Hawks uh, lost that game 116-106. The big thing about that game was Trey Young did not shoot well. He was 3 of 12 for nine points. Now, you have to figure that this is the stage, right, that Trey Young lives for. This is where Trey Young wants to be is national primetime TV. You're in I won't say the playoffs because I don't think the playing games are the playoffs, but certainly this is one of the marquee matchups. This is the only game that's on TV tonight in the NBA, right? Uh, at this time is Hawks and Hornets out there. Plus Trey Young is uh, at home. I expect a raucous crowd. I do think that that is a benefit. You know, the Hornets were above 500 on the road this year. They were 21 and 20 on the road, but Hawks 27 and 14. What's amazing about the Hawks 27 and 14 is think about the 10 game losing streak that they had earlier this year at home. If they don't have that 10-game losing streak, and let's say they win just half those games, you're talking about the team that, without question, is the best home court team in the NBA this year. You're talking about a team that's right up there with anybody in the Western Conference as far as home court records go, and certainly would be the best in the Eastern Conference for all of it. So I like the matchup but tonight. I know the Hornets have done a good job on Trey Young. They fight, they scratch, they claw. They like to spread it around too with their perimeter players and get their you know perimeter game going as well. But I do think the Hawks, when you take the factors of the Hawks are at home, um, this is a national primetime game. This is where Trey Young wants to excel, right? We talked about yesterday, no excuses, no more, you know, well, you know, effort and we're not a fan of the regular season or this or that. or And there's also no more of playing down to your competition, right? I mean, that's been one of the Hawks' problems all season long is the idea of you're playing down to what your competition level has been. No more of that for the Atlanta Hawks. Now it's prime time. Now it's ready to go. So while I'd love to see John Collins, and I think he's a definite you know, integral part of what they want to do and what their identity is, I don't think at least in this matchup tonight, and probably not against Cleveland either, who's also fighting the injury bug. Allen didn't play last night uh, for them when they're lost to uh, the Brooklyn. So there's going to be a little bit up factor for the Cavaliers uh, as well. And I do think that not only did the Hawks win tonight, but I think the matchup is pretty favorable about going up to Cleveland. I'd much rather have headed up to Cleveland to go play the Cavaliers coming up on Friday than I would have to go up to Brooklyn. And you saw last night, Brooklyn, you know, Kyrie Irving starts out 12 for 12 
from the field. And Durant only had 25, but Irving was 12 for 12 at the start was uh, finished up at 12 for 15. Those guys get on that kind of run. Those guys are hard to beat. I mean, that, especially up there with the refs and everything else that goes along with it. So I think the Hawks are in a good spot uh, tonight. Um, you know, they outscored the Hornets by basically five points per game in the four total matchups out there. They did split and they did lose the last time, but prime time marquee matchup game. You know, this is now the time when you got to go. I like the Hawks tonight. I think the Hawks get it done and they advance tonight and then head up to Cleveland on a Friday where if they can win that, they'll take on the Miami heat starting on a Sunday. All right. When uh, we get back, we're going to talk about a prospect that I would have probably taken at number eight if I was the Atlanta Falcons. But now I'm very intrigued by if we can get in, get him in the second round of the NFL draft, which, by the way, is just two weeks and one day away. So coming quick, it is hitting hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back with you on hitting hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't forget, we're asking you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to Locked On Sports ATL. You'll uh, see this there on Twitter as well. Check us out on YouTube. Don't forget to give me a follow on my Twitter page at JMCH. I want to tell you about my friends over at Built Bar. Of course, we've been talking about these folks that, look, I know you probably had some New Year's resolutions and you had some high hopes and things like that. Maybe you've slipped back a little bit. Let me get you back on track, okay? If you go to Built.com, you can check out the whole line of protein bars that they have there. Plus, have you tried the puffs yet? We've been talking about how good these things are. The first protein-infused marshmallow is available at Built.com. So, They've got all the flavors that you want to try, the yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, all the different flavors on the puffs. And remember, all the puffs are 100% milk chocolate coated. And so you want that high protein, but you want that sort of sweet tooth fix on all of that. You're talking about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein, though. So if you're looking for an alternative, you have to cure that sweet tooth. The puffs are going to be the way to go. And also, if you go to built.com, take a look at all the line of protein and nutrition bars that they have. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. New for this month, the white chocolate cookies and cream is available to you. They're always going to be coming out with all new kinds of flavors. So keep up to date at built.com with all of the different flavors going on. And just for you listeners out there and video watchers, I guess, uh, too, if you go to built.com today, use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off of your order. 15% off your order at built.com if you use the program promo code, excuse me, LOCKED15. Use that for 15% off at built.com. You'll be glad that you did. All right, as we are literally two weeks and a day away from the NFL draft, two weeks from tomorrow is when the draft starts out there. You know, I still believe that the Falcons have to prioritize defensive end, edge rusher, however you want to label that type of position in today's NFL world, outside linebacker, whatever you want to call that person. You know, when when the first round of sort of prospecting guys and looking at senior bowl and guys coming out and everybody who announced and things like that. One of the guys that intrigued me greatly that we knew was going to come out was David Ajabo, who is the outside linebacker for Michigan. Now, the last time we saw Ajabo, well, last time we saw him play was in the national semifinal game against the Georgia Bulldogs. And obviously he was part of that Michigan team that made the playoffs um, they got smacked around by, you know, the national champion. I don't think there's really any harm in in all of that. But Ajabo and Hutchinson were 
one of the biggest wrecking crews in all of college football as far as defensive ends go, outside linebackers, whatever you want to call those guys. Uh, what, 25 sacks between the two of them? They were really a two-man wrecking crew for that Michigan defense. Then we fast forward to the pro day for David Ojabo because he was not at the Senior Bowl, obviously. And Ojabo goes down with you know an ACL injury, and he's going to be out for a while. You know, when the Falcons were, you know, first looking and, and I'm first doing some analysis on the draft, I very much would have been very high on the Falcons taking Ojabo at number eight. I think that he is a player that while raw and he doesn't have as much experience as some guys, it's two things. One is his upside. He may upside higher than what Adrian Hutchinson is even going to do at Michigan, but Ojabo's done one thing in college. He goes and goes and gets the quarterback and sacks the quarterback and puts him on the ground. It's not a move him off the spot. It's not a, you know, make him flustered. It's not a this, that, that. It's get up the field. He gets the quarterback wrapped up and he puts him on the ground. Well, guess what the number one skill set that the Falcons can't do? That would be, I don't know. Let's think about this for a second. Mm -hmm. It would be get up the field, wrap the quarterback up and put them to the ground. So they need desperately anybody who can help them do that. I loved Ojabo even at eight, but now with the injury and you look at where the Falcons pick number 43 in the second round, if Ojabo's there, I'd very much love for the Falcons to go get him. Now, realistically, here's what you're probably looking at. Okay. Number one is at best, he's coming back for the second half of the season. So he's probably going to miss at least six to eight months in, in his rehab recovery, things like that. All right. He's also very raw and he needs to be coached. Yeah, you know, he literally only had 620 snaps in college and only played, I think it was 20 games. But we've seen the Falcons do this literally with another Michigan player last year, right? They spent a third round pick on Jalen Mayfield, who had 13 starts in college, who was a raw prospect and they think had a lot of upside, but you know, they still have a lot of work to go and he needs to be coached up. Well, I do trust the idea of Dean Pease if he gets his hands on a guy can coach a guy up and with Ojabo being hurt and he can kind of slow work himself back in who, I mean, for all due respect for the Falcons, who cares if he plays this year? Honestly, y'all have told me that they're tanking and they're going to be bad and, and it doesn't matter. And this year doesn't count. Okay. Then you can afford to go get yourself a project that you can groom and develop and get ready and I do think at some point Ojaba will play this season. I do think that he's going to get himself back on the field. But what difference does it make whenever he does? Honestly, like what, what difference does it make if Ojabo comes back middle of the season, the last quarter of the season, whatever? I want to see the Falcons develop a guy and legitimately develop a guy who can get the quarterback down on the ground. So if you told me that the Falcons, and I know this is probably a Crazy scenario to think about the Falcons, given the way that they draft or what we've seen on this regime. If you told me they could get Jermaine Johnson at number eight, and then they could go get David Ajabo at, say, 43. I don't know if he lasts till 58. I've seen all kinds of mock projections for Ajabo. I've seen him where he's still a first-round pick. I've seen him where he's still not even just at the bottom of the first round, but still in the 20s in the first round. And I've seen him mocked in the second. And I've seen him heck mocked toward the third round. We don't know, like all these nudniks that do all their mocks and all this kind of stuff. They don't have any information. I mean, don't don't buy in or believe what these you know ninny hammers and nitwit nudniks and all that kind of stuff have out there. 
they they don't have any information about the way that NFL teams actually look at these types of players. But you would have to figure that a guy who suffered an injury where at best you're going to get maybe a half a season out of him in his rookie year probably makes some of the teams that are trying to win now, you know, leery of grabbing a guy like that, knowing that he's going to miss time. With the Falcons, it doesn't matter. Falcons are not on a one-year timetable. They're not trying to win now. They're not going to be good this year, right? I'm going off all the things that y'all told me about, you know, as far as, you know, what the season is going to be and not be and things like that. So I would be very, very happy if at 43, you told me the Falcons would go take David Ajabo. I can live with him being a prospect or project, excuse me. I can live with his limited snaps. I can live with his injury and things like that. What I would love to do, as I said, get him in here, get him rehabbed, and get him under the tutelage of Dean Pease. Say what you want about Dean Pease, but their defense definitely hung in. Considering that they can't sack the quarterback at all, um, which, you know, in the NFL, if you can't sack the quarterback, you know, you might as well be playing with one arm tied behind your back. But considering that they played without being able to sack the quarterback, their defense really hung in there. Their defense was able to hang in and fight and scratch and claw. Yeah, there were some weeks like the Cowboys where, you know, they got blown out and their defense got ran all over the field and all this, that, and the other. But, you know, look, defensively, I think they did a good job of hanging in there against some of those teams. And now is the time where if you're going to talk about prospects and guys that have lots of upside but are raw and need some work, this is the time when you draft these guys. Not when you're good and you're ready to start making a run at the playoffs and this, that, and the other. You need guys to come in and make an immediate impact. And again, I'm not talking about drafting him at number eight, you know, although, like I said, had he not have gotten hurt, I would have been very intrigued with the idea of, of drafting him there. But boy, if you could, if you could get him in the second round and you can have a prospect like that, whose job was to just go wreak havoc on quarterbacks, I don't think you can go wrong. And, and, if he was there at 58, that would be even more intriguing because I still believe in the idea of if you trade, let's let's just say if you trade back in the draft or if you trade Grady Jarrett or whatever like that, I'm still of the mindset of trying to put some kind of bundle of picks together to get yourself back up into the first round so that you can go grab yourself a quarterback. But boy, I'd have to take a long look at having a Jabo on, you know, on, on my board for when the Hawks are sorry, when the Falcons pick in the second round and there's no such thing for this team right now as drafting too many edge players I, I would much rather sacrifice not drafting a wide receiver not drafting a safety not drafting another corner if I could load up on more edge players you're not going to draft enough of those guys because you got to roll the dice and you got to find as many guys who can come in and help you as they can and a job wouldn't have to come in here with any pressure to start or anything like that even in the second half of the season you work him in, you get him acclimated, you get him coached up and things like that. And who knows, maybe you have a prospect that turns out to be an elite type of talent. All right, when we come back on Hitting Hard, um, Dan Snyder, you going to tell me that he's the only guy doing all these crazy things? We're going to discuss all of that next. It is sort of a what's bugging Chuckery. Back on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We're going to talk about Dan Snyder and the mess that he is in here. But first, want to tell you about our friends over at Athletic Greens. Now, I'm familiar with this product. I mean, this is one of those cool things that look, everybody's trying to figure out a way to get healthy, right? And the other thing too, is that people are looking for things like gut health and things like that, right? To put the micro bodies in and do all this stuff and blah, 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 right? I mean, look, we're all trying to get that way out there. 
Athletic Greens is a really cool product. So basically, this is very simple. Athletic Greens comes in these packets. You put a scoop in and you get all kinds of nutritional value out of it. So if you're trying to get yourself into a point where you can have 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, super sourced foods, probiotics, adaptogens, all those things that you're trying to get to optimize health and especially gut health. Right. Because, I mean, if we're trying to lose belly fat and all those kinds of things, you have to try to optimize your gut health. Right. And we're always talking about hearing words like probiotics and all of these different things out there. So this is really simple. You got the packs. You do a scoop every morning and you get all of the nutritional value that you need through your day for your nervous system, your immune system, everything like that. And look. You can do this thing in all sorts of ways. You know, you want to just mix it with water and drink it straight up. You want to put some other things in it. You can do it in all sorts of different ways. And it comes in these easy to use packets that every day you just grab a pack, go do your thing, and you load up on the things that are going to help you with gut health out there. So right now is the time when you want to try to, you know, we've been talking about, you know, the built bars and all this kind of stuff out there. But this is the time when you want to get yourself in shape and healthy get into springtime, you're getting into summertime, you need that gut health to help clean yourself and detox yourself out. So right now, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs on your first purchase. So I want you to go to athleticgreens.com, athleticgreens.com slash NBA network, athleticgreens.com slash NBA network, and if you go there, you can get yourself on your first purchase five additional travel packs plus a year's supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. And if you know about vitamin D, you know how healthy it is. We talk about getting out in the sun and getting that natural vitamin D going. So these are all things that try to help you out, immune system, gut health, all these kinds of things. Athleticgreens.com slash NBA Network. Take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so one of the things that happened yesterday in the NFL was that we got word about an investigation that was done, and I'm going to done, and I was going to read you this. So in a press release yesterday, Representative Carolyn B. Maloney, who is the chairwoman of the Committee on Oversight and Reform, and Representative, and I apologize if I pronounced this wrong, Representative Raja uh, Krishnamurti, who is the chairman of the Subcommittee on Economic and Consumer Policy. They sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, saying that they had unearthed some things in their investigation into Daniel Snyder and the practices of the Washington Commanders football team. So these two committees are looking at the allegations of the, you know, uh, sexual, uh, you know, harassment environment, the toxic masculinity, all these things that were going on behind the scenes. But they uncovered what they believe is through emails, documents, things like that, where the commanders intentionally withheld millions of dollars in refundable deposits owed to fans, and they concealed revenues that were owed to the NFL as part of the league's revenue sharing agreement. Let me read that again real quick. Millions of dollars withheld in refundable deposits owed to fans and concealed revenues that were owed to the NFL as part of the league's revenue-sharing agreement. So they're reaching out and saying, hey, FTC, we need you to look at all of this, okay? Now, I'm going to harken back a few years ago to when the Houston Astros 
were accused of cheating and the investigation come on. And then it was, okay, we have evidence now that they're stealing signs and all this, that, and the other, and they're banging trash cans and all that kind of stuff. The mantra that people gave me, and, and I had all kinds of arguments about this, was, uh, Chuck, you don't understand. The Only the Astros cheated. Nope, nobody else cheated. This was just the Astros. Well, we found out that wasn't true. We found out the Red Sox, Yankees. I mean, there were teams that were cheating. And I said at the time, everybody cheats. You know, am I surprised that the Astros were cheating? No, everybody cheats. And we found out that that's true. Everybody in some form is cheating and, and doing kinds of crazy things out there. Okay, So with the Daniel Snyder thing, are you going to tell me that Daniel Snyder is the only owner that's out there that's doing these kinds of practices? So remember about revenue sharing in the NFL. Who does the NFL and the teams have to revenue share with? Let's think about that. Um, but, 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 oh, yeah, the players. Right, right. That's right. They report the revenue. They share in the revenue, whatever the percentage is. Was it 48% now? I think is what the players share in the revenue with the owners and all that kind of stuff. So you think Daniel Snyder is unique in hiding money from the NFL and not disclosing revenue that should be shared and holding back money that could be refunded to ticket holders for whatever reason. You know, some of it was they raised prices and this, that, and the other. I was reading a little bit of the details and stuff like that. I, I want to make sure that we are crystal clear on this and that my words don't get mixed up. If you think Daniel Snyder is the only owner in the NFL who's doing these kinds of practices, I'm not talking about the 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 sexual harassment environment. I'm not talking about, which, by the way, um, you notice the NFL is under FBI investigation for the same thing. But, yeah, okay, anyway, uh, funny how, like, things come from the top, right? Because the commissioner and all that works for who? Let's, let's think Let's let's think about that for a second. That's right. He works for the owners. That's right. He's appointed by the owners. And shocking that the same environment that a team would have, the owners would, you know, the, the, the league would have. And, okay, anyway, so back to what I'm talking about. If you think Daniel Snyder is the only guy, I'll make sure I'm saying this clearly, is the only guy hiding revenue, cheating their customers, you're crazy. Oh, my owner would never do that. My owner would, my, my owner in my town is above board. He's a good guy. See how much money he gives to charity and all that kind of stuff? Cool. They're in the football business. Biz Naz. We saw a story about the Washington Nationals, right? The Lerner family that's owned them since 2006 is now exploring the idea of selling the Washington Nationals, right? They bought them for $450 million in 2006. Guess how much they're valued right now? $2 billion. And they're exploring the idea of trying to sell and let's see, what, what is it called when you buy something and then you sell it for a much higher price? What is the difference in that money called? Let's see, it starts with a P and it has six letters. Oh, yeah, profit. Okay, so if you think that these billionaires are in the business of doing anything in their practice that loses them money, even at the behest of the fans, the league, the players, whatever. I'm not telling you that the owners are evil or anything like that. But I promise you that if you really wanted to get your little white glove out and you wanted to start wiping all of the dust and the dirt off the books of all of these guys, 
you would find every team in the league has got revenue that they're hiding. There's money that could be refunded that they don't refund and all these kinds of things. I'm not mad at Daniel Snyder for doing that. I, I expect this out of the owners. You know, like, um, remember in Casino, the movie Casino, where they talk about how the bosses just expected that they're going to skim off there, right? That they, that, you know, they're, they're getting skimmed on their skim and that there'd be a percentage of guy, a percentage of money, I should say, that the guys would just pocket and, and take out of the skim that the mafia guys were having. Okay, it's the same thing here. Of, of course, there's going to be revenue that's not reported that probably should be. And we're going to put it in a different bucket over here. And we're going to call it something else over here. And we're going to not pretend that it's here. And then there's going to be some accounting error or whatever. But I guarantee you, if you take that white glove and you start going through the books of all of the all of the NFL owners, all of them, and I'm talking about from Arthur Blank here in town to Jerry Jones to whoever, you know, to, I mean, for God's sakes, um, Jimmy and D Haslam, the Browns owners, Jimmy Haslam was under an FBI investigation for defrauding his customers and he bankrupted Pilot. Why would he not go out there and defraud the league? He was already doing it to his customers at the business that he owned. That's why the FBI came and investigated him for his shady practices in running the pilot gas stations. You don't think that he's not pulling some kind of shenanigans? And they can duck behind these cloaks and things like that of, oh, well, we didn't know, and, and we thought this would be allocated for this and that and the other like that. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. So don't believe, oh, 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 don't get sucked into the idea of, man, see, Daniel Snyder's doing things that nobody else is doing. He, forget, again, like I said, all of that other stuff, okay? Focus on the money, right? It's always all about the money. Follow the money, as Deep Throat said, you know, in the Watergate scandal. Follow the money. It's always about the money. And if you think that Daniel Snyder is a guy who's the only one out there pulling these kinds of practices, you're crazy. You're crazy. I'll tell you right now, just like the Astros weren't the only one. Oh, no, 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 no. They're the only ones cheap. No, they weren't. They they weren't the only ones stealing signs and doing this and doing that to the point where Major League Baseball has had to, they're instituting this wrist thing, right? With the computer thing and all that. If it was only the Astros, why is the whole league going to a system that is curbing, uh, cutting down, I should say, on curbing the idea of stealing signs, which, by the way, is as old as baseball itself, from a guy out in center field with binoculars reading what the pitch count is and, and radioing it back in Morse code, doo -doo 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 -doo, you know, back to, you know, the, the guys in the dugout from the 1910s or what have you. So don't buy any of this stuff that Daniel Snyder, you know, is doing as if he's unique to all of this. You know, you're going to find out that more and more owners, if they really want to dig, and that's where it comes down to, how deep down the rabbit hole do you really want to go with all of this? How much are you willing to jump down in that rabbit hole and see how far it goes down with all the NFL owners? All right. Uh, thanks again for being a part of the show today. Don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It is Hitting Hard with John Sharkey going Locked on Sports Atlanta on YouTube. Subscribe. Review us, like us there. Follow me at JMCH316 on Twitter. And check us out on Twitter as well at Locked On Sports ATL. 
We will be back with you tomorrow, hopefully celebrating a Hawks victory. It's hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta.